Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for president. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Um, as you have probably been figuring from our traffic updates, it, it rains a little bit. And this is, again, it's a little bit of rain. We are not looking at Noah building a boat or anything like that. It's a little bit of rain, and collectively, people forget how to drive. Um, if you are trying to get anywhere, just what does Debbie Lazig always say? Pack your patience. We will continue to keep you updated. There's all sorts of traffic problems, most related to rain and visibility issues and, of course, people driving way too fast for the conditions. So I'm sure we'll be doing some um, updated traffic reports as well, telling you where things are. All right. Let us get started. Friday afternoon, stock market plunges. Dow down 600 points. And I understand there are people who don't think that that's a big deal, but it ended up being the fourth losing week in a row for the stock market. Now, for politics, the biggest thing that President Trump, I, I think, has going for him as he moves in and runs for re-election is the fact that the economy has been very, very strong, at least up until recently. The other problem he has is because I, I still think the fundamentals of our economy are very, very strong. But the problem is when you have the president talking about trade wars with China, a major U.S. trading partner, a major importer and exporter of goods either to the U.S. or of U.S. goods. And when you have the president talking about tariffs and then China responding accordingly, that makes everybody including investors in Wall Street and people across the world, uneasy. And you couple that with some other stuff that's going on in Germany, and you have fears of a global recession being stoked by the president's commentary and the threats. On Friday, and by the way, the stock market's up about 250 points today, as President Trump appears to have backed off a little bit from what he was saying over the weekend. But again, it's this uncertainty that that just just sends just shockwaves through the investment community because, you know, businesses like certainty. Businesses don't like not knowing what is going to happen. And I understand that there's always a degree of unpredictability, but when you've got politicians who are, I don't know, seemingly shooting from the hip and coming out with different policies and displaying a fashion that I think might be fairly described as erratic, it makes businesses uncomfortable. It makes investors uncomfortable, and that's what leads to I don't know, some of the stuff that's been going on in the stock market over the last four weeks. Anyhow, on Saturday, President Trump kind of doubled down on something that he said on Friday. And, and here's the headline. If Barack Obama had said this, I firmly believe that many, many commentators, probably myself included, would be saying, my gosh, who does this guy think he is? Does he think that he is a dictator? We elect presidents. We do not elect emperors. On Friday, President Trump said that essentially he was going to direct American companies to stop doing business with China. 
He specifically hereby ordered U.S. companies doing in business with doing business with China to explore relocating operations. All right. So he sends this tweet out and essentially saying, I'm, I'm ordering people to consider looking elsewhere. On Saturday, President Trump doubled down. He said, I have the authority to do this. There's this thing called the International Emergency Economic Powers Act that says a president can declare a national emergency in the case of any unusual and extraordinary threat to national security, foreign policy, or the economy of the United States. All right. The law, I mean, um, was passed back in 1917. And, and what happens is this has been used as the authority to impose sanctions on countries in response to specific national security threats. For example, this was the law that Jimmy Carter used when Iranians took hostages in 1979. Um, typically, it's been used to target international terrorists, drug kingpins, human rights abusers, cyber attackers, um, multinational criminal organizations. Um, the law was invoked when Iraq invaded Kuwait in 1990, when Serbia sent troops into Kosovo in 98, when Russia annexed the Crimea in 2014. It's been used to target rogue nations, North Korea, Sudan, Somalia, Syria, Venezuela, all right? It's never been used before in connection with a trade dispute with a major U.S. trading partner. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Now, look, I I, I mean, I, I've tried to look at the Trump presidency, and I come at it, I'm a free trader, right? I try to look at the Trump presidency, and I think, look, I, do I think he's gotten a fair shake in the media? No, I do not. At the same time, I also believe President Trump is his own worst enemy when it, it comes to some things. But when President Trump talks about directing U.S. companies to essentially get out of, stop doing business with China, I think that's bat crap crazy. I, I just don't know how to say it any other ways. And I, I do wonder, you know, what's going on here. And like I say, if President Obama had demanded that U.S. companies stop doing business with China, we would be denouncing him as a want-to-be dictator. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Is Trump on to something? Trying to tell multinational companies based in the U.S., here, you should stop doing business with China. Bring the work home. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I just, it's a big world. Okay, and here's the bottom line. Now, China is a major trading partner of the U.S. I understand that there are issues with regard to how China does business. But U.S. companies need to do business with a country the size of China. And to simply suggest cut off China I don't think it's productive, and I don't think it's good for the economy. 414-799-1620. Gru is lining up the calls. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I'll give you a hint as to how the roads are looking. Not good. We'll continue to keep you updated. Let's start with Dave in Wales. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Dave. I have to disagree with you, uh, Jeff. I, I respect your position, but right now, Unreported in the accomplished media, but the Chinese are in the midst of the largest world military buildup since Adolf Hitler. They're manipulating the currency, 
They're stealing our intellectual property. They're dumping cheap imports on us. And if we don't stand up to them now, we might as well capitulate because their goal is economic world domination. Do you think the president has the authority to order private companies not to do business with a country like China? You know, I think he has the authority. Would I use it? Not necessarily. I think if, if, if you would encourage countries, companies to be patriotic and tend to look for alternatives, I think that would be positive. But ultimately, uh, someone has to draw a red line in the sand against China. They're, they're long-term thinkers. They think 30 or 40 years out. We think the next election cycle. And they've been just killing us now for the last 20 years. Unless we do something... The okay, but isn't that the likely thing? Let's play this out. Isn't by by getting into by using tariffs and this escalating sort of thing, isn't it more likely that you're right because Americans think in, in one election cycle that what's going to happen is China's going to wait us out for the next 12 months because they figure if you have these increased tariffs, yes, it's going to hurt them. It's also going to hurt the U.S. But these tariffs are going to kill President Trump's efforts at re-election, and then you're going to have a new president to deal with. I mean, isn't, as a practical matter, that the likely outcome? I think that's for strategy. But I'll tell you what, if Trump gets re-election, re-elected, the Chinese really got their backs against the wall. Got it. Okay, no, thanks. For, I guess, I, I mean, see, I, I see this as two ways. And, and again, I, I go back to the first issue. Regardless of how you feel about China and manipulating currency and what their big goals are, and I will tell you that this whole intellectual property thing, that that's, that's a legitimate issue. For people who don't quite follow that, what happens is when the U.S. exports goods, let's say electronics and things into China, one of the requirements is, is they have to, they have to, and I'm going to make this as simple as possible, they have to show the Chinese government how the stuff works. And so they surrender their intellectual popular. Okay, so, you know, Apple sends in this thing, they have to show the Chinese government how this works. And then what happens is, you know, once you show somebody how it works, what they do is they farm it out to a Chinese company that then duplicates it, you know, steals the intellectual property, and then produces it cheaper. So, I mean, I'm not disputing the fact that there are issues. I guess I have two major issues with with what's going on here. Number one, I don't think the president has or should have the uh, ability unilaterally to order U.S. companies to stop doing business with a company, a country like China. I get it that you've got this, this power, this Emergency Powers Act that says, hey, um, What's happened is Iraq has just invaded Kuwait. We need to do something to try to penalize Iraq right away. Okay, I understand that. I get it. That's what this has been used for. Oh, um, Serbia just sent troops into Kosovo. I get it. This is a routine trade dispute that's going on between two major economic powers. That's my concern, number one. And I've had this concern with the use of, uh, of executive powers. Regardless of how you feel about building the wall, I think the president was wrong to simply say, I'm going to bypass Congress and I'm going to take money and I'm going to build the wall. And again, this has nothing to do with the merits of the wall. Why do I say this? Because I am concerned what is going to happen in two years if we were looking at a President Elizabeth Warren or a President Bernie Sanders, who then says, okay, I have this broad power to declare um, a national emergencies, and I'm going to declare a national emergency with regard to guns, for example, and I'm going to use this as a basis to impose all sorts of restrictions that I couldn't get through Congress. And if you don't think it's going to happen – 
well, I, I, I'm telling you that this is the precedent that gets set. And as somebody who sat here over the better part of eight years and denounced former President Obama when they started to use these executive actions, I, I think I've got to be consistent. It's not to say that there's not issues with China. I'm not sure this, this trade war and the tariffs are the best way to go about it. But I sure don't think that the President of the United States has the right to say to a company based in Mequon, Wisconsin, you know, you are not to do business with the Chinese. Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Uh, Jeff, I, I agree with you totally, pres- uh, 100%. We did not elect an emperor. We elected a president. And uh, I don't understand how he can, uh, a Republican company or executives who uh, tend to vote Republican would even put up with this. But secondly, I just want to say we'd all take Donnie a lot more seriously if he and Ivanka would remove their own business operations from China first. Yeah, some of, some of her clothing line is made in China, right? Yeah, At least well, that's his, what I'm saying. ties used to be made there. I don't know if they still are, but uh, a lot of other stuff. Uh, right. I, and again, I, it's just... I, I think you can have a legitimate discussion about whether China has been ripping us off on, on trade for years and years. And I think the answer is probably yes. And do we need to take a harder line with China? Yeah, I think the answer to that is probably yes. But that's different than saying, I'm going to order U.S. companies not to do business with China anymore. That yeah, sounds like a command economy. Well, it, it does. And, you know, the reality is that's going to crater a lot of companies. And what it's going to do, at least in the immediate future, is it's going to jack prices of goods that people in the U.S. pay, it's going to jack them through the roof. And to the point our first caller made, yeah, I mean, the short-term pain, two years, five years, whatever, you know, China being a socialist nation, they're, they're, they're much better off as far as you know, the government helping finances than, than we are. I mean, if President Trump wants to kill his re-election bid, you know, you go down this route. I agree. Thanks to the call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. Dan in Elkhorn. Hi, Dan. You're on WTMJ. Hey. I agree with, um, um, I stand with Trump on what he's trying to do. I just wish that he would, like, keep his mouth shut sometimes. I mean, I plan on voting for Trump in 2020. Um, but, but you have, but you, you have concerns too with trying to tell U.S. companies don't do business with, with China or well, pull out I, of China. The way I took that was I didn't take it as, Companies. I think he was like suggesting he was running his mouth. He, you know, tweeted out, "Hey, you know, let's stop doing business with uh, China." He was he wasn't making an executive order. President Trump like tweeted that. Friday that he hereby ordered U.S. companies doing business in oh. China to explore relocating operations. <laughs> I mean, I just you know. Yeah. I, okay, I didn't catch up. Yeah, no, here, I mean, he did use the phrase hereby order. Now, he didn't say you only, you have to stop doing business with him in 30 days, but clearly, but I, yeah, see, I understand, and I, I get that China's been ripping us off. Like I said, I'm not defending that. I, I just, I go back to what you said, because I think we agree on that. I, I think when the president does stuff like this, he needs to really think about it, as opposed to this kind of off the cuff right. sort he of thing. Right. have somebody to talk to before he sends out a tweet. Right. Like, his like wife or well, can he run that stuff by his wife or. I, I don't know. Maybe economic advisors. No, th- thanks for the call. I mean, I, I mean, I think, look, if, if you want to seriously say, I'm going to consider using the emergency powers I have under this particular act, and I want to declare China to be a rogue nation, and, and I want to I want to treat them the same way we're treating North Korea. 
if that's seriously the route you want to go down, all right, then I think what you have to do is you have to make that case to the American public and you have to have the lawyers look at it and vet it and say, okay, is this within the scope of, of the law? Do I have the authority to do it? My answer is probably no, but but I don't know. All right, then, then you sit down and you make the case and you have the speech from the Oval Office and you say, we've been getting ripped off for all these years by China. This is what we're going to do. You, you make the speech again. You address the nation. You sell the point. You don't just send out a tweet once you get a wild hair up a certain part of your anatomy that then ends up throwing the stock market into turmoil and, uh, again, creates all these problems across the country and across the world. And, again, I go back to my other basic point. Now, now be careful here. For everybody who likes President Trump and doesn't like the, the Chinese and loves this use of executive power, be real, real careful here because there's going to be a time, whether it's a year and a half from now or, you know, um, you know, five and a half years from now, when Donald Trump is not the president. And there's going to be somebody else in that office. That's just what happens. And when they come out and they say, hey, I don't need to use Congress. I'm going to use all these executive powers and I'm going to essentially set myself up to be king. Just ask yourself how you're going to feel about that. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. That's it, boss. I'm out of here. No, no, not me. Andrew Luck, starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. News leaks over the weekend that he intends to retire from football after, well, um, not quite seven years. He was taken in the 2012 draft. Gru, who is producing the show today and always, would you like to hazard a guess as to the average career length in the NFL? Now, we're not we're not just talking about quarterbacks, but the average NFL player. Would you like to hazard a guess as to how long their career is? It's like two years, isn't it? Yeah, three years, but close. Right. So now, again, this includes this includes the, the the first round draft choices and it includes the undrafted free agents and 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 everything but the average career of a player in the NFL is less than 3 years so andrew luck who was the the star quarterback for the um, i said baltimore colts the indianapolis colts going back to my baltimore roots the indianapolis colts he had apparently decided Hadn't played in the preseason. He's had one injury after another. He's been either playing or injured or in rehab pretty much for the last several years. He's made in 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 the neighborhood of a hundred million dollars. So you're not going to have any sort of tag sales for him um, by quitting. He's got um, he leaves a lot more money on the table, but presumably he's set for life. And, you know, he's coming back from another injury, and he just apparently decided that that was it, that, that he'd, he'd had enough. The guy's a really bright guy, graduated from Stanford, um, very, very intelligent on, on football matters and, and beyond. Um, he, he's a smart guy. And he just apparently this year decided, you know, that he didn't have that competitive fire in him anymore, that he was tired of being hurt all the time he was tired of all the rehab he was tired of getting his body beat up he's 29 years old and he realizes that you know he's probably you know good lord willing got another 45 50 55 60 years of life left you know who knows and he had just had enough and he quit so he wanted to announce it to his teammates after the game on Saturday night ESPN apparently got wind of the story the the news broke 
during uh, the Colts Bears exhibition game on Saturday, and so you know everybody at the stadium's getting this information, and it's coming out on Twitter that he's going to retire. Um, he gets booed mercilessly as he's leaving the field in street clothes by the Indianapolis fans, and you can tell. I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, he played his career for the Colts, and and when he played, he played well, and you know when he was injured, he apparently was very very diligent about doing his rehab stuff, but he's decided. Hey, it's time to move on. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, his career in the NFL, probably twice as long as the average person in the NFL. Now, I understand there's guys like Aaron Rodgers that play forever. There's guys like Tom Brady and Drew Brees who play forever. But that's atypical. That's atypical. If you look at the guys that were drafted along, the other quarterbacks that were drafted, um, Robert Griffin, was taken behind Andrew Luck in the 2012 draft. He, he's been injured for a good chunk of his career, hasn't started a game since 2016. The third pick in that draft, running back Trent Richardson, he's out of the NFL. So and it's you've got a short lifespan in this particular sport, particularly football, where it's, it's so much of high contact. All right. Indianapolis fans booed him. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Feel free to disagree with me, but I have no problem with the guy retiring. If he's reached a point where, because of the injuries and the rehab and the physical toll the game takes, I don't think he's a whiner. I don't think he's a wimp. My gosh, anybody that plays for as long as he has in the NFL, and you look at some of the hits these guys take, I don't think you can call them wimps. I just understand. And you know what? I think this is going to be more and more of a trend that more and more football players are going to say, all right, we, we played for four or five years, and we've made some money at this game. Do we need we, – we've got enough money to live a really good lifestyle, and we've got enough money so that our kids are going to live a really good lifestyle, and we've made enough money in this game that, you know, our grandkids are going to live a really good lifestyle. Why do we put up with this? Why do we have it? And so i got to tell you, I, I don't criticize Andrew Luck at, at all. Matter of fact, if looking in his heart – he decides, you know, I just don't have this competitive fire in me any longer, and I'm tired of getting hit, and I'm tired of spending all this time, you know, in hospitals and having operations and being out and on and all this type of thing. I I think more power to him. 414-799-1620. To me, this is the smart decision to make. Mike and Franklin. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Um, so I absolutely agree with Andrew Luck. Um, these injuries take a toll out of you mentally and physically. I've had many injuries from playing sports, torn knee cartilage to, you know, broken bones. And what people don't realize is what happens behind the scenes, you know, the rehabbing and how lonely it can really be. And he's had all sorts of crazy injuries, so I, I don't blame him. He's still a young man. He's got his future ahead of him, a young family. So I, I can't do anything but just empathize with him yeah, I'm sorry. You're, we, we lost your cell phone there. Well, right. I mean, the, the guy is a smart guy. Now, I understand that some people are criticizing him not for the decision to retire, but for the decision to retire, you know, in the middle of or towards the end of preseason, saying, OK, if the timing, you know, if you would have retired at the end of last year, giving the Colts an opportunity to plan ahead. And, and maybe that's legitimate. Maybe that's not. But but put yourself in Luck's spot. 
maybe at the end of last year, you hadn't come to that conclusion. Maybe you fully intended to play, and so you work out during the off season, and then you find that you've still got these aches, and you've still got these pains, and you still have these injuries, and you come to training camp, and it's not getting better, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I guess if you want to criticize the timing, that that's fine, but my sense is this is probably an evolving decision. My guess is those of you who've made your own retirement decisions, maybe you knew definitively what that day was that you were going to stop working. My guess is for a lot of other people, it was just a gradual decision that they reached. 414-799-1620. All right. Is Andrew Luck a GOAT? for announcing his retirement when he did. To me, I I get it entirely, and I guess I I respect that decision. We're back to continue the conversation in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Yeah, we will continue to keep you updated on that. The the one... uh, the first one that she was talking about down around the Greenfield Curve and stuff, that's that's bad. And uh, it's moving incredibly slowly. So if you're out and about driving, be careful, for goodness sakes, and we'll continue to keep you updated. All right, so Andrew Luck, who's the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, um, been injured off and on, announces that the word leaks during an exhibition game Saturday night that he is retiring. Um, apparently, I mean, this is what he says. He said, look, he really only started seriously considering this about two weeks ago, although, you know, maybe it's been in the back of his mind before that. Timing could have been, I I guess, better from the perspective of the Colts, but the Colts fans booed him. Is there anything about this decision that that you should boo? Let's talk to John in Greendale. Hi, John. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, you know, I, I think what people don't realize is these athletes work their whole lives to get to this level, and a decision like that, they only get one shot at it. And, you know, he's been hurt time after time, yeah. injury after injury. Uh, and you get to a point and say, well, you know, maybe I can hang on for another year or so. And, and the body doesn't heal. Not everybody heals up the same way. But right. you gotta, you got to look at long term. Um, and, and I was on your screener, you look at Chris Borland, who was a linebacker from Wisconsin. I think he went first or second round pick uh, two or three years ago. Yeah. Played one year, got a concussion in there, a Two concussions and said, "That's it. I'm done. I'm going to live the rest of my life." Yeah. Well, no, and, and I, I think you know be, that. And I want to be able to enjoy one of my family. Yeah, so. I think you know that makes a look. There are some people that just absolutely apparently love this game and are willing to make any of the sacrifices to hang on for as long as you want. But yeah, I mean, look at all the stories we have about the NFL players and the concussions and the people who are dying early and the people who are having all these different health problems. And so here you have a guy who's had a series of injuries and stuff. He's got all the money he needs for the rest of his life and for generations after that. I mean, I don't fault him for saying, hey, look, I'm I'm worried about how I'm going to be when I'm 50 or when I'm 60. And I, I just don't have that competitive fire anymore i respect that attitude i I think the fans ought to be ashamed of themselves he gave them seven years of of his best and and they're looking at themselves more than looking at the benefit of the player right exactly thanks to call and again you can I, I understand the timing could have been better. In an ideal situation, you plan out this and you say after last year, hey, I don't think I don't think I want to come back. But I don't get the sense that that was the case. I think he intended to come back. He did all the rehab work. And then, you know, once you're sitting there thinking, okay, I've got all these injuries, some are severe, some are nagging or whatever, and I'm not sure, I just, I don't think I want to put my body through this anymore. Does that make him a bad guy? Let's talk to Russ in Lake Geneva. Hi, Russ. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Good afternoon, Jeff. 
you know, I, I don't think we've, I, I know this is kind of crazy, but I don't think we've seen the end of Andrew Luck. Well, it's entirely possible, right? He could come back and a year from now and say, you know, I really miss this. I want to try to come back. I mean, you've seen that. Michael Jordan, how many comebacks did Michael Jordan have? You know, and, and if someone would ask me, you know, they heard that a quarterback was not playing anymore, a premier quarterback was not playing playing anymore. I hate to say this, but Aaron Rodgers would come to my mind. Hmm. You know, he's he's had a lot, some concussions. He's, he had some, you know, from, you know, his... his uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, all, like over his career, yeah. There, there's, there's been a number of ones, and, and how, often, how often do you go through this? I mean, this day and age, you know, Brett Favre, you know, the things that he went through, but would he do that now knowing, you know, what... Yeah. happening to him. Well, I, I mean, just, I think uh, people are, I mean, thanks. I mean, see, I, I think everybody's different. I, I Look, I don't know Aaron Rodgers. I've never met Aaron Rodgers. My sense, again, from the outside perspective, is, is Aaron Rodgers has this, his life is built around being this incredible competitor. He says he wants to play till, you know, he's into his 40s. You know, and everybody looks at Tom Brady as being the model for that. And, you know, and so that's kind of Rodgers' goal. And he's still playing at a high level. And I, I don't think the, the injuries have taken away that competitive spirit from him. But But Aaron Rodgers is a different breed of cat than perhaps Andrew Luck is. And it's not a better breed of cat or a worse breed of cat. It's just... You know, there, there are some there are some players who just I mean, how often have we seen players that that stay too long at the dance, the ones that just can't give this up. And so, you know, they go out on the field and it's kind of a, a sad ending. The great one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Johnny Unitas, leaves the Baltimore Colts and he ends up for the last year of his career playing for the San Diego Chargers. Willie Mays, one of the great outfielders of all times, you know, at, at the end of his career, you know, he's playing what for the New York Mets, I think it was, you know, not even able to throw overhand. I mean, sometimes people stay, you know, too long i mean, i just i'm never going to fault people for saying okay i don't care what i don't care what your business is whether you're a professional athlete or whether you're a lawyer or whether you're an insurance salesman you know if you decided hey that the time has come to do something different or move on or i don't like what i'm doing or i, I just I, my heart isn't in it anymore i respect people who do that let's talk to mike in michigan mike you're on wtmj Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I agree with pretty much everything here, you know, and I don't fault him for retiring while, you know, he still has whatever left of his health. And, you know, he he's made all the money over the years, and, you know, why not take it and enjoy it with your family, you know, and yeah. go out and do whatever you want to do. You know? Right, right. Figure out what the next phase of your life is going to be. So, okay, yeah. so he doesn't retire now, you know. Two years from now, then he retires. I mean, you know, go go out while you're at least close to on top. Nothing wrong with with that. And go out while you can still walk and play with your kids. You know, I think what his wife, what she's pregnant with another child. You know, she was in the background at the news conference. I mean, in, enjoy yourself. You've made money. You've been an incredible success. You don't have to prove anything to anybody else. Right, and you know it's it's an inherently violent sport. And you know, I was telling your screener that I've I played two years of high school football, and I had some injuries mm -hmm. the first year that lingered into the second, and and you know, I some I haven't recovered from that yeah. until long after I graduated. Yeah, you know, and you know, after at some point, you have to think about your health, and you have to be smarter about. Uh, you know oh, yeah. what, what you're doing with your life and think of your future. Oh yeah, no, no. Thanks for calling. No, look, I mean, I, I, I just, I was not blessed with the incredible talent that these professional athletes have. But I have to tell you, if I was a football player 
and I had reached a, a level of success, and I had all the money that, that I needed, and then I'm looking at story after story about the football players who are dying early and the, you know, the brain injuries and all this type of stuff. And, and see, you know, we were, we were at uh, Jerry Kramer's admission to the Hall of Fame a year ago in, in Canton, and you had all these Hall of Fame players, you know, several of whom could, could just barely walk. And, and I understand some of that's old age, but some of it's just this, this violent game where you have 240 and 250 and 300 pound guys running into each other and banging into each other at top speed. That takes a toll on your body. So if somebody says, hey, I've made it, I've collected a whole bunch of dough, and you know what? I'm 30 years old, and I, I want to I wanna be able to walk on golf courses and run along the beach and stuff like that. I don't have an issue with it, and I thought it was classless, classless for the Indianapolis fans to boo him. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eric Bill said, I have one issue with your traffic report there. You said you might want to avoid that area. Uh, forget, might want to no, avoid. You, you yep. Avoid the area. Avoid, okay. avoid yep. the area. If, you know, if you've got to go that way, find an alternative route. Take the lake, take something, but... Um, We've been watching this. I mean, I've been watching it for the last hour, mm-hmm. and it's just flat, not moving, and it doesn't appear that it's getting better anytime soon. No, <laughs> and I, I don't know if you saw the pictures of that semi truck. That it's in there. It's, it's in there. It's yeah. jackknifed, and it's going right. to take so, some time to get so that out of there. So, bottom line is, you want to avoid that area of the freeway at all costs because if you get caught in that, you're going to be miserable. I guarantee it. So, just. Uh, again, I think Eric and I both agree. Avoid it. <laughs> don't think yeah. you might. You might yeah. want to think. Of, no, just take. If you don't believe me about anything else you hear from this program over the next three hours, don't be in that particular area. It is a nightmare. Hey, speaking of retirements, a number of people were surprised the announcement today that um, my friend Sean Duffy announcing that he is stepping down from Congress pretty much immediately. Sean Duffy, rising star in the Republican Party. Now, he he was the district attorney in Ashland County. And and before that, Sean had achieved some degree of fame or notoriety. He was on the fourth season, I think, of The Real World, third or fourth season, The the Real World. He was kind of the the lumberjack guy. It was Real World Boston and stuff. And, you know, came back, you know, ended up going to law school, came back and um, became the district attorney in Ashland County, ran for Congress and was elected to Congress in 2010 and has been there ever since. His wife, um, Angela Campos Duffy, was also on Real World. Not, and that Real World, for people who don't know, that was, I think it's, is it still on, Gru? Do they still do Real World or, or no? Uh, they might be like having reboot kind of versions okay, of it, but, but... It, it, it was 20 years ago. It was, it was a big thing. And she was on, I think, the second year, their third year, the Real World San Francisco, which was a big one. But, but then, like everything, it kind of, you know, people got tired of it because it was the same thing. The idea in real world was you take seven different kind of people, like a lumberjack from Ashland, Wisconsin, and you put them in this house with all sorts of people, and you watch what what happens. Interesting concept. But in any event, uh, Sean Duffy gets elected in 2010. What is interesting is um, he and and Rachel, proponents of a big family, they're they're expecting their ninth child. Matter of fact, I last talked to him a couple months ago. He was a speaker at an event that I was uh, emceeing, and uh, yeah, nine nine kids, nine kids. So you know, 
big families that you don't hear a lot about nowadays, and he is a very, very devoted family man. I say this, and I understand some people roll their eyes when I say it, but being in Congress is, in many respects, a very, very difficult and unrewarding job. Let me explain why that is. First of all, you are running every two years. So when you are, your, your life is essentially, you're in, Wisconsin, you're in Washington when Congress is in session. And when you're back home, you're essentially campaigning. You know, you're, you're, there, there's no downtime. You're up every two years. So you're going, if not door to door, you're going to every Rotary Club and every pancake breakfast and things like that. And if you look at the district that, that Sean Duffy represents, geographically, it is enormous. It, it's Wausau and to the west of the state. It, it's enormous. And if you're going, it goes up, I think, to like Bayfield and things like that, you know, and, and you're constantly campaigning. So it is very, very difficult. And, and my friends who have been in Congress out of Wisconsin, Mark Green and Mark Newman and, um, again, Sean Duffy and, and Paul Ryan to an extent, you know, all these folks who are, are talking about the, the, the problems with trying to, you know, raise families and and do that job because you're constantly back and forth from Washington D.C. and when you're home, you're you're as a general rule, you're you're not attending your kids' baseball games. You're you're campaigning. You're at the pancake breakfasts or you're you know speaking to the Rotary clubs. Like I say, it's a very very difficult job. There there is also a financial element to this as well. And I understand that I'm going to be you know if you some people are going to roll their eyes. The job pays about 174 grand, which is a lot of money. But when you think of it. Um, housing costs in Washington, D.C. are absolutely through the roof. So, you know, if you would have to maintain a second home in Washington, D.C., and, you know, maintain your place in your district, and you're not independently wealthy, it becomes an issue. Now, it's not a problem for somebody like Jim Sensenbrenner, who is independently wealthy, and Jim Sensenbrenner has a really, really nice home in Washington, D.C., and they've got a nice place, you know, here um, in, in his district as well that I've been to on one or two occasions, but, but that's okay. But for many, many of these people, whether it's you know, Paul Ryan or whether it's Sean Duffy, I don't know what Mike Gallagher's situation is, uh, or Glenn Grothman. You know what a lot of these guys do? I know Mark Green, who was the congressman from uh, the Green Bay area. What what they do is they live in their offices. Gru, do you know this is how they work it? Because housing is so expensive, what happens is they sleep in their offices. They have like a pull-out cot or they sleep on their couches, and then they get up in the morning before, and they go down to the house gym and they shower and they work out and they change their clothes. But but that's how, that's how they're able to make ends meet because, again, they've got their homes back here. And so I, I, I point this out, not so we feel sorry for congressmen or women about the salary and stuff, only to say that it's very, very difficult. There's a lot of travel. And I will add this, too. Being in the minority, and you can it doesn't matter. You talk to Democrats or Republicans. Being in the minority is no fun. Because if, you know, you're, if you're in charge, like when Republicans control the House, okay, then you're, you're moving the legislation through. When Democrats control the House, you're, you're essentially, 
you, you don't have the votes, so you just kind of get swept along. And I think anybody will tell you at any level of government, it's much more fun to be in the majority than it is to be in the minority. But anyhow, Sean Duffy, rising political star, surprises a lot of people by saying today that, that, that he's done. He's going to resign immediately. Um, what his explanation is, is that his wife, who's pregnant with their ninth child, apparently the, there's going to be they've been told that there's going to be some health issues with the, the child and he just felt that you know he needed to be home and i knowing Sean Duffy like i do i i believe that i think it's one of these situations where you look at all the strain of traveling back and forth and you've got you know eight kids that you want to spend time with and you've got a ninth child that's on the way and there might be some health related issues uh, again just like we were talking about you know with Andrew Luck in the last segment of the program deciding in his case you know life is too short i just i don't have this in me anymore i don't think Sean Duffy has lost his passion for politics but there comes a time every once in a while where you want to say you know what I, I think it's important to put family first. I would not be surprised if at some point in time in the future, you know, you, you hear Sean Duffy, you know, explore something else. Um, I think candidly, um, he certainly becomes somebody who you, you got to give consideration to whether in 2022 he's going to run for governor of the state. You know, you could make a strong argument that that's that's a different dynamic. You don't have the travel, et cetera, et cetera, um, spending more time with your family. I, I'm, and again, I'm not making a prediction. I'm just saying that I, I don't think we've heard the last of Sean Duffy when it comes to politics. And if he decides after a couple years that he's got that fire in his belly and he wants to get back in, maybe in a different sort of setting, I, I'd say more power to him. But this is another one where I certainly understand the decision. What happens next is that uh, Governor Evers declares a special election, and I think he has X amount of days to do that, um, and that will fill that term for the balance for about another year, and then somebody will run for um, election to the regular seat in 2020. That is a district that is overwhelmingly Republican, so um, it, it's not it's not a seat that should necessarily be in play. President Trump won that district by 20 percentage points. It's a very rural district, and it's become increasingly conservative slash Republican over the years. So my guess is whoever the Republican nominee is will will most likely walk into that seat. No guarantees, of course, and there will be a Democrat opponent. But my guess is this is not one that's going to be too much in play. But to Sean Duffy, um, again, I just like with Andrew Luck, I take my hat off. If people have decided, you know what, there's more important things in life, and right now I want to be with my family and I want to, you know, help deal well my wife and the rest of my family, you know, deal with maybe some medical issues we're facing with our with our ninth child. I say more power to you. I give people credit for doing that. And, again, I don't think we've heard the last of Sean Duffy. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, I admit I think this is extremely cool. So yesterday I'm kind of putzing around looking for, I shouldn't say putzing around, I am doing research for today's show, and I guess somehow I had missed this, but Breaking Bad, arguably one of the seminal TV shows of all time, it's it's coming back. And I, I'm not talking about the prequel that they do 
Better Call Saul, which is on AMC. That's not coming back till next year. But for people who, who watch the TV show Breaking Bad, and I, I, I know you did, um, it, it ends, and everybody knows how, how it ends. I'm not giving away things. It, it ends with the the chief villain slash protagonist, whatever, Walter White, the Brian Cranston character, you know, um, ends up dying in this lab after, you know, confronting a bunch of neo-Nazis. And one of the last scenes is his his partner um, throughout a lot of this, uh, a character named Jesse Pinkman, played by Aaron Paul, who's been held prisoner and forced to cook methamphetamine by these these neo-Nazis. He's he's driving this car and he's heading out of the compound. And that that's the last you see of him. It's like, OK, this guy who's been kind of in a way that the heart and soul of the show for all these years, he, he's just boom, he, he's broken free. And you, you don't know what happens to him. And so apparently what they've decided to do is they have already made, with nobody finding out about it, and this is one of the cool things, they have made a Breaking Bad sequel, I guess sort of sequel. It's it's a movie that features Aaron Paul, who played the Jesse Pinkman character, and it picks up supposedly right at, at the end of Breaking Bad. It traces, you know, his his trajectory after that. It's called El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. And it is set to debut on Netflix on October 11th. And then at some point in time after at Netflix, is of course, the pay streaming service. And then at some point in time after it's on Netflix, it's apparently going to be shown on like AMC, the, the kind of the basic cable. But what's what's amazing to me is that they film this. And of course, the. The, the TV show was set in Albuquerque. They apparently filmed this w- without people knowing it was a Breaking Bad movie. They they were operating under a, a fake name or something, and you know they had people back in, and, and it's going to debut, and it's in the can. Nobody was able to figure out that they were doing this. There's the new trailer that's out for this, and if you follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner six twenty, I've got the I've got the initial trailer for the movie, which features. Another one of the characters that was in the TV show, you know, talking about this. And it's I, I was just I, I don't know. There's not a lot of TV shows that you could either reboot or do sequels that I think, you know, people really want to want to see. I, I just you know, it's and I know they've tried it before. I know that, you know, they brought back. Dallas a few years back and 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 there was a little bit of interest but I don't think it ever really de- generated stuff my, my experience has been normally when you try to do these second generation TV shows where you try to go back and, and recreate magic yeah generally speaking there's a curiosity factor but people really don't get into it that much I think this is going to be completely different because I think there's a lot of us hardcore Breaking Bad fans out there. Number one, we, we, we can't wait every week when you see the prequel that's out there, the Better Call Saul show. But also the idea that you might be able to revisit this and find out not only are there other, not only what happens to the Aaron Paul character, but, you know, are there, is this, is this movie going to use it as an opportunity to look into maybe some of the other characters, you know, a- after Breaking Bad? I think there's an incredible interest and it takes a lot to get me jazzed about, you know, stuff that's going to be coming out on, on TV or on Netflix or whatever. But this is a pretty cool one. And if you um, are a Breaking Bad fan and you want to see the teaser, again, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. I've got the link to the first trailer for this. The movie premieres on Netflix October 11th. I know what I'm doing October 11th. So this is my message to my 
So yes, you want to say something, group? And I, 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 I got to find something to complain about, obviously, because I, I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan. But now I gotta, now I gotta wait another oh, like, so six, it. seven weeks. Yeah, that's it. But did, did you? Okay, so you, you're a student of pop culture too. Did you have any idea that they were doing a Breaking Bad movie? Well, no, but they, um, they, they had like they were making a tequila company or something, and they were like filming. Uh, Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston, they have like some sort of tequila company, right. and they ha- they were filming a commercial for that. So I was like, "Ooh, they're together. That something might be happening." But no, I had I had no idea. Right, exactly. So this is this kind of it, it, and I'm they, so they kind of leaked out all this news just over the weekend, and yeah. But I, so like I say, this, this is message to my wife who you know tends to set schedules way, 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 way in advance. I don't know what day of the week October 11th is, but um, at least when this thing, we, I am not doing anything, and there's not there's not too many things that make me say, hey, I, I'm just I, I'm based here um, October 11th, whatever day. That's it. okay. Like the I think the 19th is a Saturday, 12th. That might be a Friday, whatever night it is. October 11th, I'm in front of the TV set. I don't know if that sounds pathetic or not, but I'm in front of the TV set watching the Breaking Bad sequel. And again, if you want to see the trailer, at Jeff. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620. Uh, we're back in just a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. And we, of course, will continue to keep you updated about what's going on on the roadways. Crew, who's producing the show today and always, I, we, we need this traffic silliness to, to stop. This cannot go on later on this week because you know what I'm doing Wednesday? I don't know if we ever talked about this. You're at the game, right? Well, right. This is, okay, so... Uh, the big three-game series starting tonight against the St. Louis Cardinals, and if if the Brewers are going to keep their season alive, they've got to do well. I mean, this is a big week. They play three games against St. Louis. That's four and a half games ahead of them in the Central Division, and then they go to Chicago for four games. So this is an enormous week. You you can't understate score it um, as far as getting past this. But yeah, on on Wednesday it's a day game. And so as one of the things with our new partnership with the Brewers and, you know, renewing the deal and stuff like that is um, some of us get a chance to do a more active sort of thing. So Wednesday, just a partial show till like 1230, and then I'm busting out of here. I'm going to go to Miller Park because just like uh, I know Gene Miller has done this, and I think John McCure is doing a Tuesday night, um, I, I'm – like I think it's the middle of the fourth inning or something. I climb onto the dugout. I do. I'm doing the know your numbers, not not as a contestant, but I, I get to like give this quiz or something to somebody that's selected out of the stands. And so that I it, I, I always love doing stuff like that. It's it's a lot of fun. Apparently there is a script, and I'm told I have to like go up to the press box and meet somebody who then makes me rehearse the thing. Okay, but you know it was because we want no mistakes. But if you're at the if you're at the game on Wednesday, whenever they do that new, know your numbers thing, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna take my chunky body, substantially less chunky than it was like six or eight weeks ago. Climb onto the dugout and do the thing. So I don't need this traffic getting in my way because I'm done at twelve thirty and then got to haul out there. I was gonna say if you had to do it right away or like you had first pitch or something, you'd really have to move it. Yeah, I would have I think I would have passed on that, but again, it's I think I think this is the middle of the fourth inning and so and my wife's gonna go with she's gonna come in, watch she's gonna sit in here while we do the show on Wednesday and she's gonna she's she's gonna come out and we've got some friends that are going out to the game and stuff like that. I'm sure they'll be there heckling. So if you're at the game um, come on out and uh, wave or cheer. You know, I, you can do what you want, but I prefer you not boo. All right, I tear the damn thing down. I, I don't know how else to, to say this. There, um, uh, Northridge Mall. If you 
like me, and we've said this before, if, if you, like me, grew up around here in the 70s and the 80s and even into the 90s, you know what a thriving spot the Northridge Mall was. For those of you who did not live here at the time, the Northridge, Northridge is located on uh, the, the eastern portion of it is like 76th and Brown Deer. And then it's a huge chunk of land. Think about, you know, if you think about Southridge, Southridge came before Northridge, but then Northridge was built. It, it was, at its heyday, it was thriving. You had you had a Sears store, you had a Boston store, you had a J.C. Penney's. Um, forget what the other anchor store was. You had restaurants. You had a, a movie theater that I think had six screens. You know, it was... It was the place that if you were of a certain age growing up that you went and hung out on in, in weekends. You know, it was the, the classic mall of the, you know, the 80s, the 70s and 80s and things like that. And it's certainly, you know, where where I grew up. Northridge, for a variety of reasons, fell into disrepair. All, all sorts of things. Um, the, the neighborhood changed. I think there were some very, very bad decisions that were made by some of the powers that be at the time. Neighborhood changed. Uh, some people became concerned about crime. Suburban women stopped shopping there. There was a high-profile incident where a guy killed his wife um, outside in the parking lot of one of the restaurants that was along the perimeter of Northridge and, and then blamed it on two you know, African-American kids or something like that. Well, he killed his wife. But again, the, you had that, that rumor that was out there, and it fed into the perceptions that there was crime. And there, were, there was a crime problem. And what happened is, again, people stopped shopping there, particularly suburban women. They went elsewhere because they had concerns. And then you just, you just saw the death spiral of the mall because what happened was as people stopped shopping there, businesses closed, um, you had they, they weren't replaced with anything or if they were replaced with stuff it was things that you know nobody really wanted to buy and, and ultimately the mall you know ended up closing in the, the late 1990s it, it's it's essentially been vacant since then it is an eyesore and it has been sitting vacant for you know what going on 15 20 years now what happened was in 2000, I just, I want to be clear here, it was either 2003 or 2008. I just want to just make double check, make sure I'm right. What happened was in 2008, this Chinese investor group purchased the mall. And their plan at the time was they were going to take the mall and they were going to put all this money into the mall and they were going to turn it into a, a giant Chinese trademark where you'd have Chinese manufacturers that would come and they would sell their goods and people would be able to buy them, et cetera, et cetera. I always thought that was pie in the sky and it's turned out to be pie in the sky. Nothing, nothing, nothing has happened. The mall has continued to fall into disrepair. There's been nothing in there. You had the story of a couple months ago where you had the electrician who was uh, died performing maintenance work at Northridge last month. The problem, the, the, since it's sitting vacant, what's happened is you've had vandals that are coming in, they're breaking in, they're stealing copper pipe, they're stealing anything that they can possibly get. And as a result of this, it's an eyesore, it's dangerous, 
It's no closer to being rehabbed than it was, well, 10 years ago. And what's finally happened is the city has said, look, enough is enough. We believe that this is a danger. I mean, people are getting hurt on this property. And so what they want to do is they essentially want to condemn it. They want to tear it down, raise it, R-A-Z-E. They want to tear it down. And then what they want to do is they want to you know, build something new on there or sell it to the land to somebody who, I don't know, light industrial or whatever is going to be there. The company, the Chinese company that has done nothing with this over the past 10 years is fighting the the order to tear it down. And the Milwaukee Business Journal is reporting that on Friday, the owner of the decrepit mall filed a lawsuit asking a judge to throw out the city's demolition order. And now, of course, after the city finally said enough is enough and there's no progress with this, they, they issued the raise, R-A-Z-E, order. At that point in time, the, this, this group, they came out with these really, really fancy plans showing, you know, what this, this trademark is going to look like. And the TV stations completely guppied on it. They went out and they said, they showed it to people. Oh, what do you think of this? And everybody said, that's great. Well, this is essentially the same thing they were talking about 10 years ago. And the only real difference over the last 10 years has been been that the cost of rehabbing this thing that has sat vacant for 10 years has gone through the roof. In my opinion, this Chinese group has about as much intention of launching this trademark as I have of walking to Los Angeles next week, which is none. And yet they are fighting this demolition order. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. They've had this for 10 years. Somebody has now died. The place is vandalized. Their plans to turn this into a trade mall, a trademark, it's completely pie in the sky. I don't believe they have anywhere near the capital that it would take to do this. You would be talking about tens of millions of dollars. I don't know what the intention is besides simply delay, but this this, these owners have dragged their feet for 10 years. The place is an eyesore, and I think the city has every right to say enough is enough. I don't know what's going to go in there next, but leaving these vacant buildings for people to die in and to be vandalized, that, that's, that's not good for the area. I say tear the thing down. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by the way, as somebody who, again, remembers Northridge in its heyday, I'm really sorry to say that. I'm sorry the thing, you know, has ended up where it's ended up. But at this point in time, it's not salvageable. It's just flat not salvageable. And this idea that, you know, it's going to turn into be this giant, you know, international trademark for Chinese goods. Well, okay, if you believe that, I've got some swampland in Louisiana to sell you. 414-799-1620. Is it time to tear down Northridge once and for all? My answer is yes. We discuss in just a moment. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I have a friend who knows more about shopping malls, shopping centers. I, he knows as much about this as anybody in the country. And he probably knows more about this than anybody in Milwaukee because he's been involved in 
the development of a lot of the major shopping malls around this area. And it's just it's fascinating whenever I get a chance to talk to, to my friend and kind of dis- discuss things over the years and how did this come to be and how did that come to be. It's just a fascinating history lesson. My wife will say, you're you're quizzing him again. You're interviewing again. But it's just a fascinating thing about you know how, how stuff happened. So a while back, we were discussing that this thing with Northridge and the idea that you've got this Chinese investor group that has done absolutely nothing with this property except let it deteriorate over the last 10 or 11 years. So I said, hey, look, I'm I'm really curious about this. They now say, after letting the thing sit idle and people die and the place get vandalized, so, you know, whatever your costs of building a, a Chinese trademark in the Northridge property, whatever it would have been, you know, 10 years ago, well, well, now it's a lot more. Plus, the reality is, you know, shopping centers, shopping centers aren't doing well anymore. That this isn't the 1980s with these giant shopping malls that that are there. That's that's not where we're going. Strip shopping centers do okay, but you know, we all talk about the internet and stuff like that. This just, you know, it it doesn't make any sense to me. So I say to my friend, all right, what do you think about? The, this plan that the Chinese group claims to have that now after letting this thing sit idle, they're ready to go ahead and they're fighting the order to tear this down and they're going to build this. Look at these different plans that they're trotting out and they're showing everybody on TV. You know, what do you think about that? And there was a pause for a second and he smiled at me and he said, it's complete and total BS, although he didn't say BS. Because, again, for all those reasons, this makes absolutely, it makes no economic sense a- at all that you have this group that's let this property sit idle for the better part of, you know, 10 years that's now going to come in in today's day and age with shopping being the way it is and invest tens of millions of dollars into this decrepit building. If they intended to do it, and I'm not sure they ever did, but if they intended to do it, they would have done it a decade ago, not now, which is why, mark the tape, I don't say this very often, Tom Barrett is right, the city of Milwaukee is right, it is time to move on and to recognize that if that area, and I, look, I, that area is a, it's blighted, and if, you know, if you've got any chance of bringing that area back and some of the communities that surround it, if you've got any chance of bringing that back, what you have to do is you have to start by doing something with that property, and that something starts with tearing the mall down before anybody else dies, before more people go in and vandalize it, tear it down, let's start from scratch, and this will be a place that 15 years from now, you know, when I take uh, the grandkids, we'll drive by and I'll say, there used to be a really incredible shopping mall there, and it used to be called Northridge. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Boy, this mess at the Mitchell Interchange looks like it's moving just a little bit quicker, but it has been absolutely awful for the last several hours. And apparently there's a jackknife semi and they're trying to divert people off the freeway. A bottom line is we'll continue to give you updates. No idea yet as to how long it's going to last. Hopefully they'll be able to take care of it soon. All right. This is this is the time when people start to focus on the presidential election. It's coming up. Well, this is, you know, we're, we're pushing September. So, you know, 14 months from now or so, Americans are going to go to the polls and going to decide who the next president of the United States is going to be. 
at this point in time, all the attention or almost all the attention is being given to the Democrat side of the ledger. The whole idea of who's going, who are Democrats going to nominate to try to see who can unseat President Trump. Interestingly enough, President Trump has, at least up until recently, not received any sort of challenge at all in the Republican Party, despite the fact that there are a lot of Republicans who have some concerns about President Trump, ranging from his erratic nature to the tweets to the his sort of rejection of what would be typical Republican Party policies, free trade and things of the like, to did I say his erratic uh, nature? And then there's other people who are just flat out concerned about his electability. Has he burned too many bridges? Well, over the weekend, he got a primary challenger. The guy that's running against him is a guy named Joe Walsh. Now, my guess is you probably have never heard of Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh does not have a very long resume for somebody who wants to be the president of the United States. He served one term in Congress from Illinois. He was elected in kind of the Tea Party Revolution in 2010, served one term, one two-year term. Then what they did in Illinois, they kind of they redistricted him out of a seat. They, they redrew the district maps, put him in a district that was heavily Democratic. He ran for re-election in, in that district, and he ended up losing. Um, he has been for the last several years a conservative talk show host he's got it's not like he has a huge national presence but he's syndicated and is in some of the major markets that are out there he originally was a huge trump supporter he has become a trump critic and he's now announced that he he's going to run challenge donald trump in the primaries our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, let's be honest about this. In my opinion, I think this campaign is as much of a publicity stunt as anything else. He's probably going to have to give up, for the time being, his syndicated radio show. Uh, but um, at some point in time, he will be able, once he drops out of the race, or if he never gets in the race in the first place, he will, I mean, officially, by, you know, filing the candidate statements and things like that, he's gotten some publicity. So I think there's an element of this whole thing that strikes me as being a publicity stunt, because at this point in time in the election process, when you have, number one, an incumbent president of your party who has amassed a ton of money, Generally speaking, you know, the, the fact that somebody's going to challenge him inside the party, that that's kind of like a, a, a political suicide sort of thing. But Walsh says that he's, he's going to run. Now, again, I think this is much of a publicity stunt as anything. But it does open the door for what I think is an interesting conversation, which is, would you like to see somebody, whether it's talk show host Joe Walsh or somebody else, run against Donald Trump in the Republican primary. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would it be good for the Republicans to have some alternative to President Trump? If there was somebody else on the ballot, might it make him 
more liable to might it make the Republican primaries more interesting? Keep in mind, you know, in Wisconsin, what is it? Next April 1st, that's the date of the presidential primaries. It's also the day that we're going to choose a new Supreme Court justice. The left is extremely energized thinking, hey, you know, we're going to have a huge turnout of Democrats on April 1st because people are going to be participating in the Democratic primary. That will perhaps carry the day for whatever liberal is running for the state Supreme Court. Would you like to see somebody challenge Donald Trump on the Republican side? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess by somebody, I'm thinking it's, would you like to see somebody with more credibility, more gravitas, more chance of, I don't know, driving the conversation than Joe Walsh? 414-799-1620. Would you like to see a primary challenge? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Our number, 414-799-1620. Gary in Menominee Falls. Hi, Gary. Hey, how you doing? Good. Okay, would you like to see somebody run against Trump in the Republican primary? I certainly would. Uh, and uh, I don't I don't know who this gentleman is who's coming up to the Republican, uh, to challenge him on the Republican Party. Um my man in the last election was John Kasich, and if he ran, I would vote for him, hands down. Whether he was he was uh, running on the Republican ticket or if he ran independent, I think he made some good points in the last elect- election that of uh, Mr. Trump brought up a lot of points that weren't being addressed by other candidates and needed to be addressed. But Mr. Trump is an embarrassment to this country and the people he's supposed to represent. Do you think That's a guy like Kasich? Do you think a guy like John Kasich could get more traction this time than he was able to get four years ago, three years ago? I do, I do, because I think I think that the, the Democrats uh, are so far to the left, and a lot of Republicans are so far to the right, and there's still so many of us left that are right in the middle there. I think you take them all. Interesting. Thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. Let's see. Let me share a couple of texts here. No, there shouldn't be a challenger. We need one voice even if that voice is a little rough. Another text, no, no primary challenge. It's the hope of the liberal left and the mainstream media for Trump to have challenges and then have a huge decisive feeding frenzy during the primaries. They are hoping it will be another opportunity for Trump to destroy himself, plus it would take the spotlight off the Democratic primaries, which I expect are going to be brutal. There's another text, yes, give us a choice. Um, here's another text. Yes, I would love to see Nikki Haley run. Nikki Haley is going to run for president. Mark my words at some point in time. I'm not saying it's this year, but somewhere along the line, she would. Here's another text. Trump had 16 more traditional primary challengers last election and destroyed them all. Conservatives aren't looking for traditional career politicians. They're looking for solutions. Now, there is an, an element of that. Of course, you know, you had Donald Trump, which who was the the complete outsider candidate, certainly shook up the Republican establishment and and surprised a lot of people by winning. I guess the question becomes, after having a couple years of President Trump, you know, would that Republican establishment, you know, would Republican voters still decide the same way? Here's where I come down on this, and I know some people are going to probably disagree with me. I, as a practical matter, does anybody have a chance at this point in time of unseating Donald Trump for the Republican nomination? And the answer is no. That That's just the reality. Uh, the president has amassed a huge campaign war chest. 
the president is immensely popular among a lot of people who are going to be voters in the Republican Party primaries. So as a practical matter, it would be, again, for any anybody who, a, a Nikki Haley, for example, who, you know, has, I think, aspirations to be the president, might have a good opportunity at some point in time. 2020 is not the year for that. So what you're going to see is you're going to see the the fringe candidates. You're going to see guys like a talk show host, Joe Walsh. And again, I, I think to me, what he's doing, it's a way of grabbing publicity. You know, there's a couple other people who've talked about running, John Kasich being one and Bill Weld, who was the former governor of Massachusetts. Um, you know, they, they, they get no traction. But again, it shows in some respects the power of celebrity and the power of talk radio that people are talking about Walsh because he says he's going to get in. I think this is as much, like I say, a publicity stunt as, as anything else. And I'll be curious to see whether he really follows through to the point of having to file the statements and having to give up his show or whether this was just an opportunity to, again, get his name in the news and get more people listening to him. So I understand the reality is there's not going to be anybody that challenges him. In some respects, I think it's too bad. And let me explain why. It's not because I want to see this no-holds-barred name-calling contest, but it is because I, I would love to see an honest discussion of the issues. Donald Trump's brand of conservatism and Donald Trump's brand of the the Republican Party is different than a lot of our views of of traditional. You know, we just look at the whole idea of trade. You know, traditionally, the Republican Party has stood for, like, like free trade. It, It hasn't been this narrow America first type of thing. Trump has kind of co opted that. And And in many respects, I I understand that you people support him because he's the Republican president. At the same time, would I like to have a discussion of of issues um, not from the the left wing perspective, not from the, you know, Elizabeth Warren perspective or the Bernie Sanders perspective. But would I like to see a discussion of issues of what the future of conservatism is going to be? And and let's talk about stuff honestly about, you know, what is the future of health care in this country and what is the future of Social Security? I would love to see somebody, a thoughtful conservative from the right, run a thoughtful campaign that at least brings these issues out and at least perhaps challenges President Trump on some of the things that he's done over the years. Now, I'd love to see that. As a practical matter, is it going to happen? No, because like I say, whoever runs has no chance of winning. That's that's just the truth of the matter. So if you're somebody who would in the post-Trump era, whenever that is, whether it's a year and a half from now or you know five and a half years from now, if you're somebody who wants to be around to kind of say, all right, I, I have a vision of where the Republican Party is going moving forward, why do you get in this now? And there, there's really no profit in it. There's no gain in it. So I don't think you're going to have any serious candidates emerge to challenge President Trump for the Republican nomination. And if there were serious candidates, they would have been out there a long time before. They would have been raising money or whatever. So anybody you get now is just going to be kind of a fringe player, which I think is unfortunate. I would have loved somebody like, to the caller's point, a John Kasich, who, 
I, I consider to be a conservative. I also consider him to be thoughtful. I dis- I've, Kasich's been on the program on multiple occasions over the years. I consider him to be a thoughtful conservative. I don't agree with him on everything, but I would have loved to have seen a debate on some of these issues and you know some of the questions of temperament. And I candidly, I don't think a primary challenge in this case substantially weakens the ultimate nominee. And my guess is President Trump would crush anybody on the right who tried to run against him but nevertheless might not be bad to have him tested and some of his ideas tested and at least maybe he rethinks some of his policies and figure out does this fit into or where does it fit into republican orthodoxy so i wouldn't oppose and i'd I'd love to see somebody mount a serious challenge joe walsh not that guy this is jeff wagner